When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. like an ad playing okay okay it's gone now <laughs> hey everybody how you doing well that's good Woo! you're listening to phly flyers that's right phly it is time for a little bit of post-game action my name is bill Matz. i'm your director of fun and games for the evening joining me tonight in studio the one and only philadelphia's number one beat reporter charlie o'connor What's up, Chuck? It's always fun to watch a watch a hockey game in studio with you, Bill. It, it's always fun, and it's especially fun to see the Penguins lose. Like that's really what it's all about. Seeing the Penguins lose. I know a lot of people out there like losses are wins, team tank, all that stuff. If they only win four games this year, I want them to be against the Penguins. Uh, and I guess that's kind of, uh, there's a lot we want to get to tonight. I want to talk about the rise of Tyson Forster. It feels like this has been coming. Uh, we've been, yeah, I mean, you just told me today. The coach is like, oh, no, he's our best player on the puck. There's, It, it looks like, you know, he's starting to round into form, getting hot. But I just want to start out with this uh Whatever this rivalry with the Penguins is, like I realized, twenty or uh, yeah, twenty twelve was a long time ago at this point. One guy left from that series, Sean Couturier. Mm-hmm. He was uh, at the time a teenager living with the man who is now the team's general manager. Like that's how long it's been since then. But even just the last time they met in the playoffs, twenty eighteen. Yeah, Couturier. Sanheim, TK, Lawton, four guys in five years. Like it's it's just a very odd era right now. Where are you with this like rivalry? Like, I'm happy they won. <laughs> when I see Crosby lose, I'm like dope. But it just doesn't feel the way it used to. Is it because the teams aren't what they used to be? The game is different than it was even just a couple years ago. Like you're probably not gonna see melees a couple times a year. Like, where are you with this rivalry between these teams? It was, it was the best in hockey from the time Crosby broke in until 2014 or so. Whenever Mike Sullivan took over. Fair, fair. <laughs> Look, it's not the, the same. It's not. And while this game ended in a very fun way, it got exciting in the third period, definitely. The first 40-ish minutes were barely watchable. It got interesting. The team started scoring. Things started opening up. But... It doesn't have the same intensity as it once did. Of course not. It doesn't have that that mystique. I mean, obviously, the 2012 series took it to another level. But even before then, those teams didn't like each other. No, those the uh, what, the 08 and 09 series. I mean, going all the way back to the to the Hatcher hit in Crosby's first game against the Flyers. Like it was uh, it was a lot of fun for a while, just because they had like this young punk kid that we just hated because he was always crying to the refs. He was the star of the league, could do no wrong. And now, like, 
my man's 36. <laughs> like, and he's having a tremendous year. I looked it up. He's like on pace for 93 points in terms of guys in their age 36 season. Uh, T. Mussolini and some dude from Boston in the 70s put up 94. Gretzky put up 97 at age 36. So those are the only dudes who scored more than Sid is on pace for right now. Like, I guess maybe some of the begrudging respect has taken over where I'm just like, God damn, I hate him, but pff, hard not to call him one of the best ever at this play. Well, it, it's also, and this happens generally speaking with guys who've been in the league for a long time. When Sidney Crosby came into the league, he was whiny. He complained. He was someone who fans rightfully were annoyed by because if he's on your team, he's awesome. If he's not on your team, you know, you see him diving, you see him complaining to the officials. You just, you just see him do things that tick you off. As he's gotten older, he's matured, as most of us do. I would, I would hope that most of us Some do. Some of us. Some of us. <laughs> and he's just, it's allowed everyone, I think, to focus more on just how great of a player. I mean, he's, a, he's at least a top 10 NHL player of all time, in my opinion. I oh, have to yeah. Go, I'd have to go through and see exactly where I would rank him. But to me, top 10 is, is a no-brainer. Yeah, I th there is a lot of talk about um, Mount Rushmore's with him right now. And I, maybe it's just my bias. Like, I can't get there. But in terms of dudes who lived up to the hype, I mean, he was called uh, the way Lindros was. Yeah. Like, he's the next one. Yeah, exactly. And he legit was. Like, yeah. three cups, golden goal. He, he did it all. So, well, But it's one of those things, is, too, where it, it makes it even cooler. Like, for example, I, we're going to talk about him, I'm sure, during the show, but Sam Harrison makes that glove save on him in the oh. shootout. If, if that's against Brian Rust, if that's against Jake Gensel, it doesn't have I, the same feel. It, you just rob Sidney Crosby. I don't care if it's Sidney Crosby at 104 years old. That means something. It reminded me a little bit, and it's not like his first career game or anything. Like, Erson played last year. He was in a shootout just like, Last time we were together, like last Saturday. <laughs> yeah. uh, but take a little trip with me, if you will. Uh, Cole Hamill's first game. Okay. When he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. Now, this is being held together with duct tape Ken Griffey on the Reds. Oh, five, oh, six, whatever yeah. it was. It's There's not something special it's not about the dude it. from Little Big League, but it's still, that's fucking Ken Griffey. Yeah. And like, that was Crosby and Urson. Flashed a little leather. Like, it, cool. it was it was really cool. I always thought this rivalry took its biggest hit when the Penguins hired Mike Sullivan because his like all he did was implement structure. Like, please stop. You are better than everyone. <laughs> when Hartnell does something dumb, ignore him. And then they find like and then they were just like, Yeah, now we're gonna win back to backs. And like it just like took a hit there. And now the Flyers have a coach who's introduced structure. It's like, well. We're going to get 40 minutes of hockey like we got tonight when, when that's just the case. But that's plenty about those fucking Penguins. Let's talk about the team that won the game tonight. Let's lead it off with, let's lead it off with Tyson Forster, man. I mean, we've been hearing he's playing well. The goals are going to come. It's coming. Just today, you said, like, John Tortorella. Oh, no, our best guy with the puck is Tyson Forster. He's our toughest player on the boards. He's the hardest one to knock off the puck. And the broadcast, I thought, made a concerted effort to, like, <sighs> he got the two goals last game. It's the first of many. He's been really good at just the goals haven't come. He must be killing it at practice or something. It just feels like what a perfect night for him to, like, play hero again after, like, they tell us, listen, he's been awesome, even though the goals aren't coming. And then he he's, scores a big one tonight. What have you seen out of Tyson Forster lately? Is it just more the same and the pucks are going in? Like, or has he just been taking it to an even another level? Well, he definitely seems more confident. And, you know, you saw today because he'd had, he'd scored goals. He obviously had two goals in the last game. Both of those were deflection goals. And they, hey, they still count. They're still goals. But they're not the, the snipe goals using the powerful wrist shot. The thing that got him drafted in the first round to begin with. It's great that he's getting them. You need to score in a lot of different ways if you want to be an NHL, like a quality NHL goal scorer. But it wasn't it wasn't what we were promised. That goal tonight, that was what fans were promised from Tyson Forrester, where he just overpowers a goalie that's, with a great, with a, with a hard shot, with an accurate shot, well-placed. Like, that's what we were told Tyson Forrester is going to be. And it, it's, I, 
I think that's what's coming back is that he's starting to have confidence in his ability to beat goalies clean. We know he has the ability to beat goalies clean. He's he's been beating goalies clean his entire career. He even did it when he was up here last year last season, in the second yeah. half. So we know he can do it in the NHL. He just wasn't. Now he is, or at least he's done it once. And you're thinking that's hopefully the first of many. But going back to what you were saying earlier about he must be doing great in practice. I don't even think it's that. I think it's just, and again, I don't think John Tortorella is the kind of coach that goes in after every game and looks at the advanced metrics and is like, oh, well, wow, that's really good. He doesn't care. But I do think, I, I equate John Tortorella in a way to um, to Pat Gillick, where Pat Gillick was famously anti-analytics. But the thing was, was that Pat Gill like, there's a lot of people who think they don't need analytics and they're actually like not good at analyzing the game by the eye test. Pat Gillick was one of the rarities where like he really didn't need analytics. Like he could just see it. He could see that Jason Worth, that there was something there and he could go out and get it. John Tortorella, I, I sort of equate him with that where like he might not personally be a believer in analytics, but his eye test tends to pick up the same things that the stats will show and it tends to be in line with each other. Like Tyson Forrester going into this game, 57.98% expected goals for percentage per evolving hockey. The second best forward on the team by that mark behind Joel Farabee. 58%. That's real, real good. And I think that's what John Tortorella has been seeing is he's been seeing a guy that when he's on the ice, good things happen. And that's why he's been so excited about Tyson Forrester. He's been excited about the details. And it's the details that allow the team to dramatically outshoot and outchance the opposition when a guy's on the ice. Well, now you've got the details, which we saw in the goal he set up for Owen Tippett, plus the goal scoring. And that's when you start thinking to yourself, man, this could be an exciting player because if he can keep the details while also starting to light the lamp a lot, suddenly you have a guy who is a comfortable, like he's, he's got a comfortable spot in the top six for the Flyers for a long time. And you just like talk about role and where guys could fit in. And it's like, I see why they like he and Couturier together. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, we have the makings of an excellent 1B, like, shutdown line with some offensive upside. But that's what I wanted at first. Like, even Forster's first goal of the season, yeah, it was on a shot, but it kind of, like, kind of just squeaked through. It was down low. It was not a snipe like this. And yeah. then he has the two deflections uh, in the last game. And this one, he just let go. And it was finally... Like, finally get to see one of those, like, the the type of goal, exactly. like you said, we were told he's going to score. But as big as that goal was, the play he made yeah. to uh, to set up the Owen Tippett goal might have been even more impressive. Just the defensive play and then to send him with the, uh, with the lead pass, just absolutely phenomenal. And that's where you start to get excited about the details because it's what I always thought about Sean Couturier. I didn't know if he was ever going to start scoring. He did. Eventually, you believed. Yeah. I did. Uh, like, I was I, a believer. I, I was like, I hope so, because he's really good. And if you can put them in, like, then you can play him 22 minutes a game. Yeah. And, you know, that's what happened. <laughs> that's what happened. Uh, but, like, <laughs> it's just so many of those types of, like, first-round guys with some scoring skill. It's like, oh, man, if we can just get that one or two extra elements in their game added. Like, they're trying to, like, begging Morgan Frost to have a little bit more to his game yep. than just the scoring. It's like, oh, we don't have to teach him that stuff, and now it's he's already got that, and we believe the scoring's going to come around. That's a complete player. Exactly. Like, is it a superstar? I doubt it. We'd probably know if he was a superstar by now. Yeah. But is a damn good player. That is an all-around guy that you can play in all situations. Exactly. And I made this comparison on Twitter. I'll make it here. Like, what we've seen, Tyson Forrester is starting to look to me like He's Oscar Limblom if Oscar Limblom, like peak <sighs> Oscar Limblom, but if Oscar Limblom had high-end offensive upside. And he never did. He had that one run before the cancer diagnosis. That might have just been a hot streak. That might not have been him. He was leading the team in goals when yeah. he got diagnosed. Listen, we were all waiting for his offense to break out a little. A little was not 11 goals by December. And he also, <laughs> he you all you had to do was watch him play. He never had the high-end offensive tools. Like, he was going to get points, and he was going to score goals by being in the right place. But he wasn't going to overpower no. opposing goalies. Tyson Forrester has the shot that allows him to overpower opposing goalies. I think he's a better passer, too, than Limblom ever was. But, like, that play where he, you know, he blocks that pass or that, that play and then that sends, sends tip it the other way, like, that was a Limblom type play. When I hear 
when I hear John Tortorella talking about how strong he is along the boards, how he never wins a puck, but he always wins, never loses a puck battle about how good he is at protecting the puck. Like that screams peak Oscar Limblom to me. It's just, what if Oscar Limblom also could score 40 goals? And that's a really exciting player. And like Tyson Forster might never get to 40. Like he might not be that guy. But the fact that the upside exists right now is, yes. is really exciting. What was not exciting was the uh, the first 40 minutes of this game, Charlie. But I think for people out there, listen, it, it got a little got a little intense, got a little helter-skelter in the third, looked a little bit more like your typical Flyers-Penguins game. If this rivalry is going to ignite, the best chance for it, it's the back end of a home-and-home. Home. Well, guess what? That is coming up. We have that happening on Monday night. Monday night down in South Philly, Flyers-Penguins rematch, second time in three days. So if there's going to be uh, some fireworks, you would think it would be in this one. If you want to check it out, there's one way to do it. It's with Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite event shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time is deals right up into the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. And the Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section of row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Charlie, I know you're a big concert guy. I am. I, I was telling JP last post game, like stuff like gifts, Christmas gifts, like even I just buy stuff when we want it. Like, <laughs> what the hell can we possibly get each other for Christmas? We've already bought whatever we wanted leading up to it. You know, it's always fun though. Experiences, events, that makes a great gift. And I think you might want to check out Game Time if you know someone like us who's maybe a little bit more experience-oriented. So snag the tickets without the stress of Game Time. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Man, Tyson Forster, it's like a game like tonight, I think even if... Unless you are just so hardcore team tank. Yeah. And you want them to go 0 and 82. Nothing else matters. Like <laughs> they beat the Penguins, which is great. Who scored the goals? Owen Tibbet, Tyson Forster. Awesome. Yeah. Samuel Erson comes up huge. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about him in a little bit. I don't think his numbers on the night. Uh, they did end up actually putting up a big shot total. But yeah. like the Penguins had, I think, 17 shots through 50 minutes and then turned it on a bit in the third. Uh, but just seeing like Tippett, Forster, Erson, that's a good, that's a good win for a rebuild. Yeah, like, I agree. That's, it's not something to complain about. And, and my thing too is that, look, they beat the Penguins. Like we can allow we can, yourself. We some can joy. talk tomorrow yeah. if it's a good thing if they're winning games. But in the in the immediate aftermath of a win like this, of a fun win, like why not allow yourself to enjoy it just a little bit? Like that's it's Saturday night. You're out at the bar. Crack a beard and la allow yourself some joy, yeah. right? Like, were, were you sitting there watching the season? Were you sitting there watching the game at New Wave Cafe, being like, "Oh yeah," but the lottery percentages? <laughs> like, I really hope not, man. Like, allow yourself a little bit. Uh, so, Forster was a big part of it. He has been a force on the score sheet lately. That is going to be that's going to get real annoying once he like becomes very good. Um, Sean Couturier scores in the shootout. Uses that. Uh, I guess it's it's the coot it's the coots now. Like this is his <laughs> it's his it move. Is, oh, it, it is, is his, his move. move. Yeah. I was a little disappointed. He's the uh, only one in the shootout who went blocker after all of the goals were blocker side in the game. Almost like, like he's got high hockey oh, IQ. Look. Oh look, the guy who pays attention knew to go blocker. <laughs> uh, uh, but like uh, just watching Couturier to this point, I think we were all happy when the season started. It's like he's back. He looks like he can play. He's not in. Uh, an apparent like tremendous amount of pain on right. the ice. You know, he's not like skating with the limp the way we were told Bobby Brink was last season, you know? Uh, but now it's getting to like, okay, how do we evaluate his level of play to this point? And to me, Pete Couturier is like 17, 18 through 19, 20. Like he wins yeah, the I Selkie, finishes second in there. I think there's like a sixth place finish in there, but that's him mm -hmm. like close to a point a game, Great defense. That's Pete Couturier. Say that's his A-plus game. That 
time there. How would you grade him right now through, I think this was his 22nd tonight? Oh, so I actually have a a piece coming oh, hof- that. hopefully next week, which is really doing more or less what you're saying, which is trying to evaluate via the numbers. And I also had a, a long one-on-one conversation with Couturier on Friday after practice, um, evaluating the numbers like how much of P. Couturier is back post-injury. I would probably, I, I think I graded him as a B plus in my grades. I probably put him in that B, B plus range. I think he's been good. I think he, you hope he has another gear, but if this is, if this is just who he is, if this is post-injury Sean Couturier, that's fine. Like it's honestly more than I thought they were going to get. I was very, I was, I was worried. I was worried that he was going to be hampered and was going to be, you know, he was going to miss a lot of the the mobility. He was going to be obviously slower. He wasn't going to be as strong in puck battles. That it was going to be a not hampered, but let's say diminished Sean Couturier. And to me, if he's dropped off at all, which I think he probably has a bit, I don't think it's a drop off due to the back surgeries. This I think is normal it's a, aging. I think it's a drop off because he's two years older than he was back then. Yeah, like he's in this, his thirties now. Like at this point, yeah, he's what thirty one, thirty two, yeah. like. He turns 31, I think, this month. Yeah, like that was uh, that 2012 that I'm like that 2011 12 season that I referenced. Like that was a long time ago. That yeah. was a very long time ago. You know, the best one of the best forwards on that team is now the team's GM. Like it, <laughs> yeah, was, right. it was a while ago. So it's like, I know we're never going to get probably the Couturier we saw in those couple of years. He wins winning Selkies, uh, you know, going into the bubble, like that version of Couturier. But if he can be this, yeah, like that's and maintain this, like right. That's the I guess that's the thing to watch at this point is yeah. this is him at 31, 33 and thirty four. If he's still this, awesome. But, like but then the, you're great. But the good thing about this is that it means that he's he's falling it, from a higher place. Yeah. Than than we worried he might. He's not fifty percent of himself already. Exactly. And then it's like we can't play this guy. And your best choice is LTIR. Exactly. And it's, well, I don't want to retire, so I'm not going on. Like, oh, well, then we're just stuck with an $8 million guy who can't play. But that's not what it looks like right now. I think the big thing that's still missing from Sean Couturier's game, and he he talked to me about this, aside from the face-offs, which, like, that's actually a really interesting thing. And I got some really good good tidbits from him, so keep an eye out for that article, uh, which should be coming next week if I can ever actually figure out how the hell to structure this penalty kill article, which is the (laughs) next feature I'm trying to work on. I just, I can't, I have so much good stuff and I can't figure out how to crack it and it's infuriating me, but it, it's coming. Don't worry. Stream of consciousness. Uh, no, that's no not, punctuation. That's not how it works, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> However, uh, with regards to Katuri, the big thing that I think is missing still is his finishing. He's just not finishing. He doesn't seem to quite have the feel of the puck, particularly when he's got the puck in dangerous areas. He's not finishing. He's long been like, a, like an 11, 12 even up to 15% shooter this year, he's around like eight. And is that going to come back? I think it could. It also might be lacking. We'll see, you know, pre breakout Sean Couturier, he wasn't a great scorer. He was a fine scorer. He, if you looked at his rate statistics of five on five, they were always better than he got credit for, but he wasn't the score. He was ultimately going to become when he started competing for Selkie trophies. That's the big thing. I think that needs to come back and we'll see if it comes back. But even if this is who Sean Couturier is, this is still a pretty darn good player. I was uh, very happy with the decision to see Samuel Erson in net tonight, uh, not a back-to-back situation, not an injury situation. It's just the number two goalie on the team getting a start because he's been awesome lately. Uh, hasn't played since last week, uh, gets in tonight, and his like raw numbers don't look very good, I don't think. They're getting there. Uh, for the season, just like tonight oh, allows. Tonight. He had a 909 save percentage yeah, like, at the end. Uh, fine, but not an awesome game by the stats. By the eye uh, test was real good. Stop 29 to 32, 906. Yeah, like that's okay. Uh, you can't ask for much more than that. But just thinking about the goals he actually allowed. Yeah. The first two aren't even on shots. Yeah. Sandheim makes a great deflection. If he did that in front on the power play, that would yeah, be tremendous. Be awesome. But he was in the defensive zone. Great, <laughs> great deflection by him on the first goal. And the second goal, uh, if that's not a kick, it's pretty damn close. Now, they did show on the broadcast, it is on Erson. He could have cut that puck off before it gets to true, cancel. True. So that's on him. But overall, I, it's hard to argue with what we saw out of him tonight. He was really, really good. Um, 
I find it a little surprising. Maybe not, because it's like one a week isn't crazy. But it's interesting timing coming off Carter Hart last game, giving up that terrible goal. Yeah. Do you think this could lead to, uh, we are actually starting to trust Sam a little bit? Well, I think you're already seeing it, because this wasn't a back-to-back. There was, they didn't have to play Sam Harrison in this game. They could have thrown Carter Hart out there and said, you know what, it's against the Penguins, tough game, rivalry game. We're going to go with our best goalie. We're going to go with our number one. Instead, John Tortorella is like, I want to give I want to give Harrison the game. And Harrison proved worthy of that confidence, worthy of that start. But do I think that he's, he should be getting more games? I think he is getting more games. To me, I think the sweet spot is you want to get him in at least one game a week. I think that is the sweet spot because it still allows Hart to be the starter to be the clear number one, which they believe he is. They want him to be that, but it doesn't let Airson get rusty. It doesn't have him just be sitting around for two straight weeks for three straight weeks, even which happened in October when he was, you know, those real bad games at the start of his season. I think this will keep him fresh, but also force him to adapt to the backup life where he's not getting, he's, he's not playing every game because I think if, as we've talked about, if they ultimately commit to Carter Hart, if they decide Carter Hart is the guy, he sticks around, they sign uh, signs a big contract for you know six, seven, eight years, whatever. The only way Sam Harrison fits is if he is a backup, because I don't think this is ever going to be a one A one B situation as long as Carter Hart is here. So if he's going to be a backup, he's got to adapt to the backup life. He's got to adapt to the fact that he's not playing two, three times a week. And I think what you're seeing right now is he is doing a really good job of learning. It's just, it, it, again, goes back to why I was so frustrated at the start of the year, why people were, like, giving up on Sam Harrison. Like, he's a talented young goalie. He's good. Like, don't toss this guy. It's a rebuilding love- year. Don't toss this guy overboard because he had two or three bad starts. Like, it's early. Yes, the numbers look ugly, but trust in this guy. And now it's the opposite. Now people are like, well, should we give him all the starts? Is he the number one? Is he better than Carter Hart? Like, just as I was saying, stop the overreaction. This guy isn't trash. I am now Never. saying, stop the overreaction. Carter Hart is still probably the better goalie. But Sam Harrison's pretty darn good, too, I think. It was literally, like, he just had the two bad starts right away, Dallas and Anaheim, where he gave up, what, 12 goals in two games? Yeah, it was rough. And then Buffalo, all right, he gives up two goals on nine shots. No, you don't love that. But he's been awesome since, and... If for no other reason, now listen, there's a whole bunch of reasons you may or may not want to hit your wagon to Carter Hart. I am going to talk strictly on ice at this point right. right now. Sam Erson is 420% more entertaining. He just does wild shit out there sometimes. Now, Carter Hart is known to wander a bit. Uh, you know, If he's going to play the puck, it's probably going to be like a mistake. Fair. But Erson just... He dives around out there. He flopped. Like, he's just a more fun goalie to watch. He's more of that um, unconventional style, while Carter Hart is, uh, much like the wrestlers bearing the same last name, the excellent uh, excellence of execution. Technically <laughs> perfect. Like, the, yeah. that's who Carter Hart yeah. is. And we always said, like, you watch Felix Sandstrom in the rookie games, like, up against Hart. It's like, well, Sandstrom struck, stuck out way more. It's like, well, yeah, but Hart gave up half as many goals. Exactly. You know, because he didn't make crazy athletic saves. You're just more impressed by the other. But Erson seems actually good, too, and he's just fun to watch. I want that. Look, there's a reason. (laughs) If I'm forced to watch a goalie, I want him to be ridiculous. But there's a reason why there are people in the organization that are are willing to not accept, but they're they're willing to acknowledge the possibility that, that Carter Hart might they might be better served trading Carter Hart. Like, they are not rejecting offers for Carter Hart out of hand at this moment. Now, obviously, the Hockey Canada thing is thing looms large. That's part of the reason why he's still here. But I think there is a feeling in the organization that this Airson kid can be a starting NHL goalie. And then that makes you wonder, why are we going to give Carter Hart a cap hit over $7 million, you know, over six, seven years? If we think we have another guy who will be significantly cheaper, who also has starting goalie talent. Like, Carter Hart's a good goalie. Carter Hart is a good starting NHL goalie. I believe he does have the potential to be more than that, but he has not gotten to that point yet, and he is starting to get older. Like, this might be all Carter Hart is. And Carter Hart, if this is all Carter Hart is, it's perfectly fine. He's a perfectly good 
NHL starting goalie, probably in the middle of the pack in terms of quality. Put him on any cup contending team and they are not exiting the playoffs early. It's like, fuck, we got to figure out a goalie. Exactly. Situation. Like, yeah, he's you solid. can win with him. He's solid. And I do think he could potentially take that leap and become more than solid and become really good. Right now, he is just solid. And the Flyers will have to ask themselves, do we want to commit that much money and that much term to a goalie that thus far has merely been solid? Or do we want to trade him for a boatload and then go with another guy who will be significantly cheaper, who we think at the very least also could be a solid starting goalie? That's if you sign Carter Hart long term, you are at least still paying the premium because of the plausible the, upside of the possible yes. carry price. Uh, and yes. like, listen, carry price, surefire Hall of Famer, one of the best goalies of a generation. But, like, we were told that is the, I mean, you know, ceiling. It's yeah. Cam York, Brian Leach, always just compare guys to Hall of Famers. That makes sense. But, like, you're going to still pay that premium even though he's been around a while because no one knows. Go, no one knows what's going to happen with goalies. Like, no one knows. No one knows. So it's, and well, you know, this guy still has that pedigree. You know, best goalie in Canada. He's going to be on their Olympic team, whatever it is. Well, okay, I guess we still have to pay him for that. And it's Airson just doesn't have that little bit of extra built-in cost, I guess. Yeah, and and Airson, I think he was a guy that's kind of snuck up on people. He certainly he still doesn't have the respect around the league that he has here. People in this organization are very high on Sam Harrison, and I don't get the sense that, like, if you talk to a scout of a Western Conference team, that they've ever really cared that much about Sam Harrison. I can't but if you go back to Sam Harrison's career before coming over here, he was incredible in the Allsvenskan, like, legitimately, like, best goalie in that league as a teenager. Then he goes up to the SHL, you know, kind of has to find his footing. But his final year in the SHL, when he played for Brinus, Brinus was awful they were terrible and he was the only thing that was keeping them in games like he was facing insane shot totals insane quality chances every single night and he was still producing pretty good results but if you like if you could create a, a shot quality model like a goal saved above expected in the shl that year like he might have been the best goalie <laughs> of that year that was how bad the team was in front of him so this is a guy who excelled in the second tier swedish league as a teenager then excelled in the top Swedish league as a young 20-year-old, like a 20-ish year. I don't know exactly what his age was when he had that year, but he wasn't old. And now he's doing it in the NHL. So there's an element where like this didn't come out of nowhere. He was real good in Sweden. And now it's looking like he might be legitimately good here too. I don't think this is... It might surprise people who haven't been paying attention, but if you've been paying attention to Sam Harrison's career, like which like me and, and Alex Appleyard, we rank the prospects, we've both been real high on him for a while because his performance in Sweden, it kind of went unnoticed of just how good it was. And to me, this isn't surprising because this is kind of what I thought he might be able to do if he didn't get caught up in injuries. Because that first year in North America kind of got ruined by injuries. You were worried if that was going to, you know, stun his development. And Last year, I thought he had a good developmental year, and this year, you know, can't take away those early games. They're still part of his record, but basically since the start of November, he's been real good. And that's, goalies are going to be up and down. They're, just, they're all going to hit their bumps, but for the most part, everything I've seen out of this guy, I've liked. Yes, there have been some bad starts. The one at the very end of last season where they just hung him out, and they're like, here, you eat nine goals. You know, like that happens sometimes, what we've seen to start this year. Okay, but for the most part, the dude has been a uh, a hero, Charlie. All you need, I, I don't know where I'm going with this. Hero bread? Yeah. Hero Listen, bread. It's time for the hero bread. It's time for hero bread. Uh, yeah, I was like, wait, this, does, this sentence isn't going anywhere. Uh, <laughs> I thought you were actually going in a good place. You I, I just, did. You should have just leaned into I just it, commit to the it. bit. I lost the thread. Yeah. Uh, listen, I think this time of year we could all use a little help making some better decisions. You know, the football every Sunday, tons of hockey games, you know, holiday parties, everything going on. I came from a Friendsgiving just uh, just before we got to the studio for the game tonight. I'm going to be taking in a lot of calories, specifically a lot of carbs. I'm told that might not be the best choice for maintaining a healthy lifestyle. 
But that's where Hero Bread comes in. Hero makes sliced breads, buns, and tortillas that are available on Hero.co as well as Amazon. And all of their products have hit the spot for me because this bread... Well, it's soft, fluffy, and delicious. And right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off their first order. Just go to Hero.co and use code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O.co to save 10% today. Don't take my word for it. Take Kelly Hinkles. She's like the healthiest person I've ever met. And she consumes Hero Bread regularly. I think if it gets her thumbs up, it'll get yours too. That's hero.co and use code PHLY for 10% off. So I'm excited about the prospect of maybe having a good goalie pipeline, not having to overcommit to Carter Hart, and yeah, maybe Urson's the guy. Maybe you wait for Kolasov. Yeah, Kolasov. Yeah, it's funny where you're talking about like wanting yeah. to watch a fun goalie. If you think Arison's fun, <laughs> oh man, are you going to enjoy Kolasov? And he's all over like, the place. Given, and we'll move to, uh, we, we have some other guys we want to get to, but just given what they have in the pipeline, does it make any sense at all to commit long-term to Carter Hart at this point right now? To be totally honest with you, I don't think so. But I am, look, I come from the analytics school. And the analytics school generally says, don't give big contracts to goalies because they're super unpredictable and they tend to break down because the goaltending position is a ridiculously physically demanding position. So my bias is going to be very much hesitant to give a goalie a big contract. And I'm sure Carter Hart is going to want a big contract. To me, the big concern of the big concern of not giving him the big contract is well, if you let Carter Hart leave, either you let him walk or you trade him, whatever. Are we going to go back to where we were for Bobrovsky for three decades? Not even that, just for three decades, where then it's like, oh my God, who's the goalie? And then yeah. you've got Mitchkoff and you've got Gauthier, and they've got a good team, and then you've got <laughs> Michael Layton behind, and then we go through that again. Here so we go. Like, so it's like. Keeping heart, it's more about the certainty. And obviously, again, Hockey Canada stuff adds a degree of uncertainty to that. But I think in terms of, like, I am confident that Carter Hart is a good NHL goalie. And I think he's there, proven that there is something to be said about having the certainty of knowing that you have a good goalie behind the team as you're moving into what they hope is, like, stage two of the rebuild and then stage one of the contention. So it's mostly just, like, you'll be signing him to kind of check that box and be like, okay, we might not have a superstar, but we don't have to worry about the goalie position like we had had to worry about it for three decades. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. That's the that's the benefit of signing him. However, if Sam Harrison keeps this kind of stuff up over the course of this entire season and you're like, you know, maybe we do have that kind of certainty. We can get that kind of certainty for a lot cheaper in Sam Harrison versus signing Carter Hart. Then I I there's a reason why this past summer when I did that fun article when I was still at The Athletic where it was like, what what do the Flyers look like if this rebuild works? And I broke down like a, a fun version yeah, of the roster. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. I had them getting Macklin Celebrini. I had them trading for Victor Hedman. Like I had fun with it. But trading all, for Victor Hedman? I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, I was like, well, they're going to need a number one defenseman and Tampa <laughs> might get bad at that point. So yeah, there we go. Trade for Victor Hedman. He's your new pronger. But um, but I had, I had heart gone. And I had Erson and Kolosov as the tandem. And it's in part because I believe Sam Erson is a good goalie. And if Sam Erson can use a show that he's a good goalie, it makes it, it makes you have less urgency, less incentive to give Carter Hart a boatload of money. Yeah. And that's like right now, I just wonder if the uncertainty around Carter Hart leads him to like another bridge deal of some kind. And then whether if there's still. If we, if God, if we are into next summer, like this upcoming summer, and we still are in limbo about Hockey Canada, like, like that, that's we're ridiculous. Going to that's be. ridiculous. Oh, it's absolutely ridiculous, but, and we're going to be. We're never going to know. Like that's what I believe is going to happen. But, but one way or the other, like, and and I've I've ranted about this on the show. Like, it's unfair. It's not just unfair to the fans to not know. It's unfair to the players on that team who weren't involved that they yep. have to have this black cloud over them for what, like the rest of their career because the NHL and Hockey Canada and the London Police Department are just going to keep kicking this can down the curb for a decade? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, it sucks. And that's like, if they can get out from under the black cloud and like maybe it's not fair to Hart if he was one of the people not involved, 
I don't want to deal with this. Like, yeah. I don't want portions of the show goaltending pretty big part of hockey and uh, the constant conversation around this team my entire lifetime. If we have to talk about this every time we bring up goaltending, that's annoying to me. Now, in terms of like the the victims here, Bill being annoyed doesn't make the list. But <laughs> but like, you know what I'm saying? I yeah, like it's yeah. unfair to the fans. I yeah, like it is. Among many other people with far more serious like if, issues. If, if they're not going to ever if if we're, we're entering a scenario where this is never going to be revealed, they need to just say that. They just need to be like, look, sorry, you're never going to know. And will that suck? Yeah. But at least then we could all move forward. I guess. I guess. Uh, speaking of moving forward and not doing it quickly, uh, he doesn't go that fast backwards either. Mark <laughs> Stahl. <laughs> I just wanted to use that as the yeah, segue. There we go. Um, Mark Stahl was um, uh, a surprising signing when they got him. I didn't really get it. And then I was like, okay, well, he's a torts guy. He's older. He's going to come in, be a mentor. They told us, you know, maybe he's not going to play that much. Well, he draws back into the lineup tonight. Um, I, I don't see much of a point in playing him. While I'm not saying, oh, it has to be Igor Zamula. What the hell are we doing here? It's got to be Zamula. No, it could be literally anyone. It could be Belpedio for all I care. I just don't see the point of Mark Stahl. If he's that, if his intangibles are that important, put him in a suit. Tell him you're a coach now. <laughs> Maybe he can coach the power play. What's it going to get worse? <laughs> I say this on a night when the power play scored. Yeah, I'm sorry. Fair. Yeah, fair. I, I apologize. Power play. Apologize to the power play. But yeah, look. I, and I think the Flyers know this too. Like, look, we can keep beating up on Mark Stahl if I, we really want to. I don't to. even want to do but, it. I'm but just like, like what's he, the point? He has gotten scratched. Like, yeah. he literally didn't oh, yeah. play the last game. Yeah. They know what he is, I think. They know what he is. It's just like, if that's what he is, then again, it doesn't have to be Zamula. It doesn't have to be Andre. I know it's tough to like shuttle guys back and forth and it's going to be real inconsistent. Like, oh, well, you're an NHL player, an AHL player. Get ginning in, get addered in. But like... That's got to be a better use of time than whatever minutes he's playing, isn't it? Even if it's not Maybe. ideal for the individual players. Maybe. I, look, I guess we're just going to keep yelling about Mark Saul. I, I, I don't I, even want to yell I, about I, I don't, I don't like, even want to talk about it. Like, whatever. Like, does it really matter that Adam Jennings isn't getting into, like, two games a month because they have Mark Saul? Who gives a shit? All right. All right. That's fair. <laughs> That's... It, it's more than a fair opinion, but I know a lot of people out there are going to be like, oh, just these guys are torts apologists. Apparently, that's us. Apparently. Like, <laughs> people think we're somehow torts apologists. Oh, my God. Like, I saw him yell at you at a press conference two days ago, <laughs> and I was like, I don't want him to hire him. Like, I don't want this guy. Oh, <laughs> like, my God. But we're the, we're the apologists simply because, like, we lay out the plan, I guess. But, listen, I agree. Like, Mark Stahl probably doesn't need to play. But until I see a dude who does, it's like, yeah, I guess just put him in a rotation with whoever's in there. Yeah, as, look, if, if it gets to the point where he is preventing Igor Zamula from playing regularly in games, then I will be very critical of the continued presence of Mark Stahl. But, like, since he's been healthy, he's been healthy scratched, I believe, three times. And I get the sense that's going to continue to be a thing. Like, look, the coaches watched the game tonight. They saw him get turnstiled and take a penalty. They saw the fact that he's just not that good anymore. Like, you would think that, like, this isn't going to be a Keith Yandel situation because there's no <laughs> there, there's no God. record that's looming over and scaring them into keep continuing to play him. I think he's going to sit a lot. And I think they're already showing he's going to sit a lot because over the last couple of weeks since he's been back from the injury, he sat a lot. I saw Yandel on, I don't even remember, I guess it was a game broadcast. Might have been a studio show. Or I don't remember. I saw Yandel recently on TV. Yeah, wasn't he like and pissy he, about it? He brought up. He brought oh it up God. and was not. It was like, you couldn't skate at the end. <laughs> like, and again, like just Keith Yandel at one point in his career was an excellent player. That guy didn't exist playing for the Flyers. That guy looked like he was wearing his skates on the wrong feet. Anyway, moving on. I just... I will never get over that and how big of a deal it was for a dude that will like clearly was horrible. Yeah. Like, well, it's just, he was the worst player on a horrible team. It, it was pathetic. And then the fact with, with Yandel where when they say they're when they sit him, when, when it leaks out that he's going to sit, you had the entire, and like, I'm not going to Rudy. Well, it was just like, you had the spit and Chicklets crew, like, and everyone in that ecosystem, like lost their mind that, 
the Flyers would dare to disrespect Keith Yandel. It was like everybody who hadn't watched him play that season at all was like, how dare you sit Keith Yandel? And everyone who had watched him play every game that season, us and everybody following the Flyers was like, why the hell did it take this long? Well, He's just, terrible. He's not an NHL player it's anymore. It's just like what... What is the legitimacy of this record if he's only playing for it? Yeah. Like, if the yeah, whole exactly. thing is, like, you earn your ice time, it's a meritocracy, then the Iron Man streak is fucking impressive. If it's like, well, he's got a streak going, so we can't take him out, well, then it's not. Like, <laughs> playing in the last game is the only reason you're playing in the... Anyway, it was years ago, but it, Charlie brought it up, and it'll never not drive me insane. Um we started off the show talking about Tyson Forster. Real fun to watch him uh, starting to really get going here, heating up. You can see the confidence. I said this was a win even if you were on Team Tank. I think you'll take this one because of who stood out. And We talked about Erson. We talked about Forster. Owen oh, Tippett. It's coming along for him too. And he last game we said he's he did have that, that real bad – Failed clear in the third period. That, that was, was rough. That was rough. No, that's that a, that's rough. a that's a tough play, and he has to. I mean, it's not like the hardest play in the world to make. I mean, it was tough that he didn't. Yeah. Um, have to make that, but that's a physical mistake. He fucked up. Yeah. That happens. I can take physical mistakes until you do them like over and over again. Then it's like you're just not good. Then, then you're Andrew McDonald. Yeah, then you're just not, <laughs> then you're just not good. Yeah. Right. Like, but like when I see him. The persistence. Uh, I talked about how all the goals tonight, including the shootout goal. Blocker side. Tippett gets one breakaway. No, doesn't go. So then he takes the one, next one, and he did a great job on that first breakaway. I thought shielding the puck, yeah. using his size, using his speed. Yeah, to even that get was, a quality shot. That off. was the type of play he made last year when we were like, he was the best player on the ice on that shift. Yeah. And we'd say that like six times a game. Yeah. Started to see a little flash of that last game. Gets the second breakaway tonight. Goes, fuck it. I'm going backhand. Puts it over the blocker. Goal. Oh, man, it's just starting to see the pieces emerge and what they could fit into on this team when it's good is very exciting. And Tippett's going to be here, man. Like he has to be a part of this. Oh yeah. I, I, I am fully expecting his next contract to be one that takes him through with the rest of his thirties and solidifies him as a part of whatever they're building. Like he's going to be there towards likes him. He passes the eye test. He's got the talent. Like he's, I don't know if he's ever going to be consistent enough to be like the top line 40 goal score type that like JJ, when I interviewed him said like, I think he might score 40 this year. I don't know if he's ever going to have that consistency, but the fact that he showed that he can flash being this good, like he flashes high end talent. I don't think I would necessarily consider him high end talent in the sense that like you put him at the top of your lineup and you're a cup contender kind of high end talent. But he, I think he's going to be the kind of guy where if you play, if he if he plays ten games in two or three of those games, he's going to look like a star level player. And those are the kind of guys that are honestly great to have in the second wave of a roster below the guys like below yeah. the Mitchkoffs and the Gautiers, because then you, I I think that guys in the middle of your lineup, it's almost good to have high variance guys because. If you have a guy who is going to give you... That's like, how you steal a game. Yeah, who's gonna who's on your, your second or third line who every game gives you 70, like 70 out of 100. You know what? That's fine. And he's not going to hurt you. He's going to be reliable. The coach is going to love the reliability of because you know exactly what you have in him. But if you have a guy who maybe, maybe some games he gives you 50, but then maybe some games he gives you 95, those games, if he's one of your secondary scoring threats with the ability to take over games and win games for you, win, you know, five or six games a season for you single-handedly, that's a hell of a secondary scoring threat. And I think that might ultimately be where Owen Tippett fits in. And as long as you have the guys to push him down the lineup a little bit, as long as Mitchkoff is what we hope he's going to be, Gautier is what we hope he's going to be, maybe they get somebody in a trade or via free agency or something that could also be a high-end scorer. Type. Offer sheet, perhaps. There's no way that Elias <laughs> Pettersson is leaving Vancouver, man. No, no. It's not happening. No, the, They're actually good now. The worst thing that pretend, <laughs> that possibly could have happened to my dream has happened. The Vancouver Canucks are uh, are good. Are pretty good. And, like, yeah. they, they've already made a playoff edition with uh, with Sidor Hall. Yeah. Like, but, but, all, yes. but you see what I'm getting yeah. at is that I think Tippett can I be that ideal guy in the second tier uh, in terms of forwards who can steal you games, has that ability. Maybe what keeps him from being elite 
is that he doesn't do it every night like the elite players can, but he does it enough where you want him in your mix. That's, I definitely think you need a mix. Like you need your consistency, your Lawton, your what we think Noah Cates is going to eventually. I, I think Couturier like, will be that guy. If Couturier sticks around and he he is part of this, he stays and remains a good player, I think Couturier will be that guy who nightly you can trust he's going to be giving you at least a 75 out of 100 game. He's not going to, as he gets older especially, he's not going to be giving you those 100 out of 100 games like he could when he was 27, 28 years old. But he can be that stabilizing presence. Tippett, I don't necessarily even want him to be that stabilizing presence. I want him sometimes to just have these games where you're like, shit, every shift, this guy is on. That's And it was fun to see. Like just, I was just very impressed him getting the, uh, the back-to-back breakaways and going, not this time. Like... Uh, appreciated that, and it's just another step in. Listen, man, if you're gonna be uh, getting maybe not a first line guy, but you, you got to finish those opportunities and gets the breakaway, doesn't score, but comes right back. Boom! That's what I need to see. And yeah, you need your consistency, but you do need those high variancy guys. Uh, I I very much agree with that because that's it's what the other team can't prepare for. Yeah. It's something outside of the game plan. Yeah. Like, okay, we know, okay, we're going to match this guy up with Couturier. We're going to try to use our best D pair, take away uh, Mitch Cobb and Gauthier. Like, that's what we're going to do. Okay. Well, they have Owen Tippin on the third line. How are we going to match that? I don't know. Exactly. He's stronger and faster than most of our team, and he's on the third line. If he pops, we're going to lose. And honestly, (laughs) like a guy who you could compare him to, and this guy certainly had a better career. Than, than Owen Tippett, I think, will. But, like, the Phil Kessel of a really good team. Like, what Phil, what Phil Kessel was on the Penguins, where yeah. it's like, Phil Kessel, yeah, he wasn't, he showed in Toronto he couldn't be the best player on a really good team because he was the best player in Toronto and they stunk. But he could be the fourth or fifth best player and, like, some games, Phil Kessel would be invisible because that's just Phil Kessel. But when Phil Kessel was visible, he was real freaking visible, man. And I do think there might be a little bit I don't want to say this like in a disparaging way to Phil Kessel because that dude fucking ruled in his prime. I think there might be a little bit more extra, like those little extra details to tip it. I'm not like not in a Forster or Couturier or Kate's way, but I, you might be able to use him in a little bit more of a checking role as well. Like Phil, yeah, yeah. he was a third liner in Pittsburgh, but it was a scoring. It was third a sheltered line. third. It line. was a scoring yes. third line. Exactly. Um, few more. Uh, well, still decent amount of time left. Yeah, the game was ugly, but we talked 15 icings through. Is that through 40 minutes? Through 40 minutes. It ends, ends it with 19. The third period was more watchable. I Because I went back through <laughs> I the play. I saw the Flyers ice it on a power play. It was yeah, like, right. that's, uh, okay. I, I went back through the play-by-play in between the, the second and third periods, and there were 14 icings. It was ugly hockey. Like, that was – it was – and and honestly, like, the Flyers, I don't think, played – super great in this game i thought they were fine in aggregate this was not one of their better games it was not one of their better games the penguins played awful for they most are of this not, game. i was honestly like on the way here i'm listening to the pregame on the flyers radio and i'm hearing them talk and they're like well the penguins record like they have the same record as the flyers basically yeah, yeah. like pure win loss i think they're about 500 like the flyers um but they're like a plus 12 goal differential coming in. And they're like explaining, like, listen, at the end of the year, these things tend to even out. Yeah. And if you're a double digit plus team, you're probably a playoff team. And if you're not, you're probably going to end up on the outside. The Penguins, maybe the wins and losses haven't been there yet, but it's coming. I get it's one game, but dog, you're home against the Flyers. And that's, that's what you brought Saturday night. Like, They, they, they obviously get a point out of it. They come back. They tie it late. They do. But I thought most of that game, the Penguins looked like dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. No, they were like, again, how, how can yes, you? they made plays to score, but I don't know. Like, yes, the Eric, we were talking like anyone else you go, that's lucky. But Eric Carlson throws it into traffic like that. And Gensel like has the wherewithal to yeah. deflect it. Like, they did right. that on purpose. Yeah, like yes. they're, they're real good this players is, that made a real good play. Eric Carlson and the Penguins probably, but... How many of their plays were even like, oh, man, they have them here. Like, I, no, I saw nothing out of them that made me think that they're the Penguins. Oh, yeah, they're going to the playoffs. How does a team with and I know like Sidney Crosby is is not as good as he was in his prime. Still real good. Still awesome. But like, how do you have a team with Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Eric Carlson, Jake Gensel, and what like their power play hasn't scored in like 25 opportunities? That's, That's wild. Unbelievable. And th- Listen, the, the Flyers' power play is what it is. Um, 
they have nobody who comes close to those dudes, even this version of them. Yeah. Like this version of Eric Carlson, which is not the one that like took Ottawa to game seven against Pittsburgh. On one foot. On yeah, on eight. <laughs> like this isn't that dude. But he's still pretty damn good. Yeah, the Flyers yes. don't have anyone that good. Nope. And it's like, wh- how is your power play as bad as ours? Exactly. That sounds impossible. Yeah. You have Sidney Crosby. Yeah. He can score from the other side with his eyes closed. What are we doing here? I, I, incredible. Speaking of what are we doing here? Maybe. Now, this is actually a theory I came up with because I don't want to talk more shit on Morgan Frost because, again, what's the point? Uh, but <laughs> it's like he, the Marsall thing. I'm yeah, sick of talking about it. No, I just him. don't. I don't even feel it. But he takes a, uh, a high-sticking penalty tonight. Okay. And now that's three penalties in the last uh, – it did it in the first period. So that was three penalties in the last four periods. Tripping, hooking, high sticking. Now, some penalties are penalties of aggression, and that's good. Some penalties are stick penalties where you weren't moving your feet, and that's bad. These stick penalties are not going to endear him to the coaching staff, I wouldn't think. I, I, I think it's already fairly clear that he is, not, he is not endeared to the coaching staff, uh, that's just like, But uh, <laughs> yes, 100%. It's just... The endearing has never happened. If you're going to, in your mind, like, okay, if they were ever going to give him a clean slate, Noah Cates is out, he's going to be in the lineup consistently, probably. This is, if he's ever going to get the chance, okay, from here, show us what you are. Not off to the best start, that's all. Conspiracy theory. I would agree with that, though, I would. Conspiracy theory. This team's pretty good on the PK, He's maybe trying to spark the offense by taking penalties. Yeah, this is actually him playing four-dimensional <laughs> chess. They, they did get another shorthanded goal tonight. They did. They're sixth of the year. Six on the season. Hopefully, I will have this penalty kill article out soon. I literally was staring at <laughs> my computer for like three straight hours today trying to make heads or tails of how the hell I'm going to tell this story. I, and sometimes you just get writer's block and you can't figure out how to crack a story, and that's where I'm at right now. Like, I, I still have dreams of like maybe getting it done tonight because, again, it's just scored a shorthanded goal. I'd love to take to, to – capitalize on the excitement around the penalty kill. Just that's, can't get this freaking story done. And that's the thing is that, like, I can't wait to see that this story has been published because I am betting everyone on the opposing power play points that night. <laughs> they're giving up a power play goal the night that you published this article, Charlie. Well, so. there, well I, I, so I interviewed Bradshaw for the story and I, I think I'll try, probably find a way to try to fit this quote in the story. But Bradshaw basically said, well, you know, when whenever the the penalty kill being good article comes out, we give up a ton of goals. Like that's just the way it goes. <laughs> that's outstanding. Uh, last dude I wanted to talk about was Cam York uh, because you had an interesting, honestly, one of the first things you said to me when I got here was the coaches are just like, Cam York needs to shoot more. <laughs> and like took a ton of shots last yeah. game, had a few tonight. I'm starting to see maybe something there with him on the power play, at least more than we saw to. Uh, first three, four weeks of the season, yeah. whatever it was. Uh, but I think he's been better lately. How it, would, would like Cam York, we said for the yeah. start of the year, fine. He's been fine. Obviously, Sandheim was standing out, and it's like, all right, well, the other guy on that pair is York, and he's not great, but he's not doing anything to get himself taken off of it necessarily. Right. I think he's stood out more lately. I would agree. And I think John Tortorella has, over this past week, has really praised Cam York, particularly for his defensive play. And then you saw that tonight. He had a few really, on that first power play, he had a few really Two big blocks, blocks yeah. really good defensive plays. I think I've always viewed Cam York as a guy who, if he's going to be an above average NHL defenseman, he's going to be good offensively and then good enough defensively. I think John <laughs> is Tortorella, it reversing? John Tortorella is coming around on the idea that like, Cam York might end up being better defensively than in terms of, of, of point creation and offense creation. And I think part of this may be stemming from the fact that like Torts came in last year with York and he was very much trying to, he was trying to communicate to York. Like, I want you to take risks. I want you to carry the puck. I want you to be like the, the, the guy who, who I always heard him compared to when I talked to scouts, when York was developing was Josh Morrissey in Winnipeg. Oh. And I think Norris Tortorella came in and was like, I want to see that guy. And I think he's been a little frustrated that he hasn't seen that guy. But what he has seen is a guy who's probably a lot better defensively than he expected to see. So we had a conversation with Torts earlier this week, and he basically said, like, why do you think he has to be an offensively oriented defenseman? Why? And, and 
we it was like in the middle of the presser, and we're like, well, like someone has to. He scored a ton of points on the U.S. national team development program. That was always his his scouting report. And Torts was like, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you know the offense might be there, it might not be, but I see a guy who could be a very good defensive, not defensive defenseman because he's not big, he's never going to be a hitter, but he could be a guy who adds value defensively in terms of killing plays, having a good stick, blocking shots. Like he could do that. And maybe, maybe Torts sees that as the path for York being a legitimate top four NHL defenseman over the long term because he he just he's coming to the conclusion that York is never going to be as aggressive as he wants him to be. So maybe we have to pivot a little bit in terms of what we're trying to develop him into. I will say the last couple nights, and I got to get to this last ad. I'll do that after I make this point just about Cam York, though. Um, the last couple nights, uh, maybe he'll never be as aggressive in terms of joining the rush and like what we think of as aggression, like Shane Gostaspare level right. aggression. But we talked a couple of shows ago, maybe it was a month ago at this point. It's all the same. But like, were his... You know, U.S. national stats overinflated because of who we play he's with. with like all yeah. of Team America's All Stars. Of course, he was going to score. He's on a power play with like an awesome of four other dudes. I think what I'm seeing in terms of aggression out of him more is like that to me. Like he was de- very deliberate, like a distributor. Like let's slow it down. The sort of thing we said about Morgan Frost, where maybe he's not the torts north-south kind of guy. He's going to slow it down, take a look. Maybe here, but I'm still going to hold it, see if something else opens up. And last couple nights, he's just fucking ripping the puck. And that seems like a good start in terms of, dude, (laughs) what do you think this power play is? What do you think this offense, even if even at even strike, what do you think this offense is? You're going to find the perfect play? Like, you need to grip it and rip it, and that's what I've seen out of him. And tonight, he had a bunch of them, and then that opened up eventually – Tyson Forster, because he had taken a bunch of shots. Yeah, I, I want to talk a little bit about the power play because we didn't really talk about this when we were discussing Forster. The big thing that I have been yelling about from the start of the year about the power play is that it just doesn't seem like it has a plan. It doesn't have like a central cog, like a central, a player that everything orbits around, where like everything orbited around Claude Giroux. Everything orbits around, I mean, I know their power play isn't that good this year, but it's been great for years. It, everything orbits around Sidney Crosby. Everything orbits around Alex Ovechkin. And yes, they're superstars, so it should. But I think every power play, even ones that don't have star, superstars, you need, you need a plan. You the need, play that has need, the best need, chance yes. of working. Yes, you like, need one guy who everything kind of moves around. And so far this year, they haven't had it. If Tyson Forrester can continue to do what he did tonight, which is just rip shots and be that plus shooting player. Maybe you can actually create an identity of the unit he's on, which is get the puck to Forrester and let him shoot a lot. That Then suddenly you have a plan. And suddenly you go into every, every opportunity, every, all five players know what they're supposed to do, which is everything revolves around getting Tyson Forrester shot, shot attempts. That could work. Now, it, it hasn't been an option because he hasn't been able to score anything. But if he starts scoring, suddenly that maybe becomes an option, and maybe this power play isn't as dismal, as truly horrifying as it's been this year. I mean, I mean they've been in the single digits for a majority of the season. Like, if they yeah. can just be not not the worst thing yeah, I've ever don't seen. Don't be terrible. That would be great. Don't, you know what? don't make my eyes bleed. You know what's never the worst thing I've ever seen? It's all the gear at FOCO because FOCO is the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Or even if you're in the market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set, you've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of the show. For all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10. That's PHLY10 for 10% off your FOCO order today. The... Uh, the what chaos guys have drawn a lot of um, attention to the bobbleheads, and I don't have a Foco bobblehead in my collection yet. But I have a ton of I have like thirty bobbleheads at least, and they were showing them off on the show today, and they're like, 
pretty substantial. They're not like just little plastic pieces of crap. They're like nice. Okay. I don't know if you're supposed to say pieces of crap in an ad read, but whatever. Uh, they're you're like saying it in a good way. Yeah, they're like saying what they're not. They're like the stadium, like the uh, like stadium giveaway bobbleheads that are like of a higher quality than the ones you just like get it, you know, some sporting goods store or something. Sure. So check out Foco. They've got some cool stuff, especially if you're in the bobbleheads. All right, Charlie, do we have anything else to get to tonight? I don't think so. I, I definitely wanted to touch on that power play, so that's good. Um, also wanted to talk about the uh, the Philly PHLY Flyers takeover. It is Thursday, the, December uh, the 14th, 14th of December. Yes. Bill and I will be there. Um, we will be posting, I think, more information on social media. I don't know if we have one of those little graphics things we can throw up. We might not yet, but we will. And I have tweeted about it at least a few times. Yeah, I've tweeted about it a couple times. And we times. can continue to do that to give people an idea. Basically but. what it is is you buy a ticket through us. You obviously get access to the game. You also get free food and free drink. Through you, second intermission. Through second intermission. And you get to meet me and Bill and hang out before the game. So come do it. Be yeah, fun. it's going to be a great time. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun at the uh, PHLY Flyers takeover again. That's Thursday, December 14th, and it's Flyers caps. Listen, every time Alex Ovechkin takes the ice, he's chasing history. You have a chance. I mean, every time he scores, he sets the record for second most goals ever. So it's 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 worth going and seeing. Plus, the Flyers have been pretty damn good. <laughs> they are at least entertaining. I will give them that. Shorthanded goals, young guys. You got a goalie who flops around now. So it's been a lot of fun. All right. That is all the time we have for you on PHLY postgame. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you got to hit that subscribe button. Search PHLY Flyers wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter. Make sure you're subscribed right here on YouTube so you never miss a live show. That'll do it. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Go, birds. 